0: Today on Locked On Canadians, we're going to talk about that Haves and Senators game, and then we're going to compare rebuilds between the two teams. Plus, we're going to talk about some of the new players on this team, how they're doing, and what we expect for their future. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. there everyone my name is laura saba welcome to episode 508 of locked on canadians and i'm joined today not by my wonderful co-host scott matla but special guest kyle demetrius who is a secret Habs fan, even though he keeps denying it. Uh, and he watched the Ottawa Senators game because Scott is off having the time of his life at a suite in, uh, I think it's called First Niagara Center now, if I'm not mistaken, the Buffalo Sabres Arena, where the Sabres and the, the Hurricanes are currently playing. And he's having a really good time, whereas we were kind of stuck at home watching the Habs lose to the Sens. Wasn't a great game. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. How are you?
1: I'm like the Prince uh, Prince Harry of the habs <laughs> fandom where i just denounced my blood my blood right and left uh i'm good i also wasn't really stuck at home because the game started at 4 30 for me because i'm on the west coast so uh i still have a whole night to live it's only 6 53 as we record <laughs> this so I, i'm i'm living i'm going out to watch the sharks game actually at a, ba- at a bar like a real person yeah it's, it's yes. fun
0: Meanwhile, I'm going to be scrambling to edit this this uh, episode because I made a lot of mistakes even before we even started really recording. Um, and then I'm going to have to try and sleep after all this excitement. All right, let's talk about that game. I really, really hate when these two teams play most of the time because it's headshots, cheap shots, tripping, things like that. I didn't see too much of that. I, I feel like for a Hab sense game tonight, it was relatively tame. But I also really don't like losing to the Ottawa Senators. That to me is one of the most
1: annoying. Well, <laughs> I think the, the annoying thing is is that the senators are kind of uppity about their rebuild um and pretty vocal about
0: they're not where, in a rebuild. Where they
1: are. Well they, yeah, the five years of excellence started now or whatever that was. So Ottawa, I think Ottawa sees themselves as further along when, in reality, they're probably really not that much further along. They've just been doing the rebuild longer, so they should be further along. So it's annoying to lose to a team that's fairly equal, uh, all things considered, um, just in the vacuum of the season. So it kind of sucks. Uh, it, it just They're not very likable either when it comes down to it. Like Austin Watson, Cole Caulfield's called their playoff goal, so Austin Watson starts trying to fight him. Like Austin Watson's like 6'2" also an awful person so like what are, what are we what are we doing like why do we yeah. have to do this we just went through it with the ducks why do we have to why do we have to do that um I also like that Cole Caulfield did like the Jesus pose after he scored <laughs> I hope that's his like celebration going forward for the rest of rest of his career because right? it's pretty sweet
0: I love it. I think for me, my favorite one was when he scored against the Leafs and then he went right up to the glass banging Leafs fans <laughs> and went like um, so I love that. So we are going to talk a little bit about the comparison between the two rebuilds because that that has been a topic of conversation on the hockey internets for a little for a few days. Um, in fact, Tony Marinaro also brought it up on his uh, on his radio show today, but we're going to talk about that in our final segment. What I want to talk about in the first segment a little bit is the Canadians I mean, we know this. We've known this for a while, but they seem kind of hopeless in their own end. And and you said to me, which which was, you know, it's you you've been watching the sharks for a few years now, and you're saying to me that the Canadians in their own end are horrendous and possibly the worst team you've seen in a while.
1: Right? Okay. So the facts <laughs> of the matter are, Ottawa is not good. Ottawa right. not no, a good no, hockey team. That. And there was at least six times by my count probably more because honestly i was playing like online chess and stuff while i was doing this and finishing up work there was at least six times where montreal went to break it out of their own zone and just straight up passed it to ottawa think <laughs> about the goal that was i think it was the fifth third, goal third, third goal it was like a four on one yeah they literally just passed it up the middle of the ice i i obviously watch a lot of san jose games i watch a lot of hockey but i watch a lot of san jose games even they aren't they get hemmed into their zone, but they're trying to cycle it out. When they get it out, they're bring it out. So I don't know if it's a, a talent problem or a system problem, but there's so many times where they're trying to get out of their own zone and dudes are falling and they're just passing it to Ottawa. And praise Jake Allen for being Jake Allen. Uh, because it's just a shooting gallery. And I don't... You watch Montreal in the offensive zone and through the neutral zone. They're pretty fun. Um, power play is a little rough, but like... <laughs>
0: Special teams Just, in general, <laughs> I do.
1: I do love that Martin St. Louis is like, I'm not a coach, I'm not a real person, and does five forwards on the power play one. That <laughs> absolutely rules. I, I'm guessing the power play will figure itself out, especially as the guys figure it all out. But yeah, the own zone stuff is re- like that's like, that's not escaping the bottom 10 te- worst teams in the league bad.
0: Yeah, it is, it is pretty bad. And and the thing is, I think part of it is because the personnel keeps changing, right? You've got Jeff Petrie's supposed to be the anchor who's had a really rough season. Now he's injured. Uh, Luke Richardson was out with COVID for a couple weeks. So there was a, like, there was a, you know, the defensive coach was missing there as well. Uh, also, the Canadians want to be something in the future, in the, in the near future, but they're not there yet. So they're adding pieces that will be part of that future. But so far, it's kind of like a mishmash because they also inherited some players from from, from the previous regime that um, maybe weren't the fit for the future Canadians. That's not what Kent Hughes or, or Jeff Gordon would have wanted to build. So there's a little bit of that, but I think a lot of it as well is just like, there've been so many injuries. There's been so many changes, you know, I think the standouts that I'm going to, I'm going to say it, definitely Corey Schooneman has done a really good job since he's been not a real person. He's a real person. <laughs> Apparently he's a real person. Um, and he's uh, surprisingly one of the people that, uh, that, that, uh, I feel like would be on top of the list for the Canadians to keep around. Um, and, and we got asked this, like, you know, who do you think will start next season? And surprisingly, Scott said Corey Shunem has really made a case for himself. I think he did really well. We're going to talk a little bit about Jordan uh, Harris and, and uh, Justin Barron and their debuts in our second segment. But I think the biggest problem with the Canadians defense right now is literally that they don't know what they want to do with it. They literally have no philosophy, they have no strategy, and they don't even know who they want to be on it. And that I think is a really tough situation for Martin San louis to navigate in his first season. But I really do think that in the offseason with the Jeff Petrie question sorted, it's gonna change and, and the Canadians are gonna be a lot better in their own end and they're gonna be a little bit less hemmed in and a little bit more carrying the puck out.
1: Yeah, well you gotta think like Roman Romanov, I always say Romanov. Uh Same. Romanov. <laughs> it's it's very similar to my real last name so it's very confusing um Romanov he got up behind his own net and escaped between two guys and he did that once and I was like that's awesome he should do that again but on the next shift he didn't do it (laughs) I was very confused it it, and I understand like Jordan Harris um he's young shoot like there is a lot of young guys and like it's got to be weird for Joel Edmondson to be playing in the game knowing that like they're literally just like prepping his own funeral to get him off the team. (laughs) So like, that's always gotta be weird, but well, it's true. (laughs) There's no, there's really no point to keeping Joel Edmondson when you bring in all of these guys, like Matthias Norlander, Norlander played. You don't need some of these other guys if you're just going to bring them up, but it's, it just seems like there's an inconsistency in their own zone. Like you said, and yeah, the, the, the coaching and the stuff, but it's, I think, it's worrisome enough that it better be a focus in the offseason, like a big time focus. Let let Gordon and Hughes worry about adding players and Martin St. Louis, who I'm pretty sure is gonna be sticking around. I don't see why you wouldn't. I think he did a really good job getting obviously Caulfield going in the forwards and, and figuring out stuff, putting five forwards on the power play. I really think he's either got to do it himself or bring in a defensive guy, like a really good defensive coach um, to figure out just how to get it out. Because even, even if they're even if they getting it to the blue line and turning it over, it's so much better than literally passing it to the dude standing at the blue line. They were in the white jersey. <laughs> on the power play, Romanov went to clear it. He cleared it about like waist height at the defender. And he had all <laughs> the time in the world. like, what are you doing? So I think... I think that's one of those things where when you look at the Habs, they obviously went to the finals last year randomly or not randomly. Um, but if you can't get it out of your own zone, you're going to be Buffalo. You're going to be Ottawa. You're going to be Seattle. You're going to be San Jose. You're going to be these bad teams that can't escape their themselves and are stuck in the bottom. Like how many years in a row has Buffalo been one of the worst teams? Arizona. Um, Ottawa, like all these teams are really bad, and one of those things is getting it out of your own zone. And when you watch her on a Habs game <laughs> and you do, you're just like, it is very jarring that they just <laughs> cannot leave their own zone. And when they do, it's awesome. Like when Suzuki, when they finally get to like Suzuki at the blue line, he beats a guy, it's sick. They have they have awesome, and I think the thing with the Habs defense too is that they're very good at complementing the forwards, especially on the rush and in, in the offensive zone when you've got. Romanov, obviously, you're going to have Norlinder. Petrie has shown some offense somehow. Um, You've got these guys that can pop up and play in the offensive zone, but you got to get there first, and it's troublesome.
0: Yes, I agree. All right. We're going to talk a little bit more about this game and about some of the young guys that are coming up. And then we're going to talk about rebuilds. We're going to compare rebuilds uh, at the end. But first I have to tell you about HelloFresh, because as you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, both Scott and myself are extremely busy people. I think Kyle, you're a busy person as well, I think. Um, and yes. there's a lot going on in our lives and we don't really have time to prep healthy meals, but we want to eat healthy. And we want to keep our energy up for our busy lives. So HelloFresh, that is where they come in. The ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in under a week. So they always arrive fresh. It's literally right there in the name, HelloFresh. And all of this is without a trip to the grocery store or the farmer's market. So you don't have to do anything. It literally comes to you. It's all about convenience with HelloFresh. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table in a snap with options like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. It always saves me time. It is a lifesaver. If you wanna try HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh com slash locked on16 and use code locked on 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts that is HelloFresh. go to com/slash locked on16 and use code locked on 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. All right, Kyle. We're going to talk a little bit more about the future of this defense because we brought it up in our first segment. Uh, I do think that the Canadians have a lot of good up-and-coming prospects. We talked at the beginning of the season about how Jordan Harris might have been a long shot. There was a little bit of question marks about whether or not he would sign with the Canadians or go to free agency, uh, and now he's here. And he obviously has that maturity level from having played so many games in, like you know, the World Juniors and the and, and the NCAA. He's he's a bit of an older player making it to the NHL. I have been so impressed with him. He's only played a very short amount of time, but I love his poise, I love his calm, I love his confidence. He plays like he has years and years of experience, and that's something that is going to serve him well. I like his decision making. I'm excited about this guy. I don't know how you feel because I know you don't 100% follow the Canadians, but you're kind of up and up and 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 and, and you've watched Jordan Harris play now for a small for the same small sample size that we have
1: yeah the i think the thing with jordan harris is that he's turning 22 in july so you're not you don't have to worry about a guy like norland is a bad example though because norlander played against men for a long time you're not you're not worried about a guy who's young and has never played and against big competition like a He's 22. He's gonna have that maturity, like you said. He's not Romanov coming over. There, there's a good one. Romanov coming over, who did play in the KHL, but he was what, like 19 or 20? Um, <laughs> he's a
0: baby. He's still yeah, a baby. yeah.
1: He's he's a small child. Um, So you don't have to worry about some of the things that you would have to worry about with other rookies that you're getting. The just the day to day, the decision making. He's not going to be phased by big moments in the NHL, and it's. Honestly, for a guy like him, it's probably helpful to come into a Habs team that's going nowhere and he can just do what he wants. They're, they're not going to bench Jordan Harris. They're burning a year of his ELC by playing right. him. They're not going to bench him. So you might as well figure out what you're going to do. And he looks solid. I don't I don't know what his projection was coming out of college um, or when he got drafted because he was a third-round pick. So he's probably not projected super, super high. But if you can get a solid middle defenseman, like a top four guy, like maybe he's your fourth best defenseman, maybe third, maybe he's a really solid fifth guy. I think, I think that's really good when you add on Romanov, Ghouli, uh, Norlinder. We as I say, Baron now, <laughs> as, as, well, Justin just Baron. Yeah. As I say these names, I'm less excited. I think that the one thing they're missing is a really high end defensive prospect, mm-hmm. I guess Gouley, but he's more of like a defensive. I'm going to, crush you kind of guy.
0: Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, there, like there's a little bit of, of um, I think any of those, those guys that you named, they'd be great as a number two to number five. Right. Yeah. Depending on where you put them, but like you're missing your number one defenseman. And I think uh, to be honest, the Canadians like after Markov, PK Subban, like they haven't really seen that. Like they had Shea Weber, but Shea Weber is kind of old guard, kind mm. of the type of game that's being phased out of the league. And Jeff Petrie proved this season that he can't handle it. He can't handle that kind of responsibility, even though I feel like if 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 things had gotten better for him, whether it's with the coaching staff or in his personal life, because he did have personal issues like that were affecting his play. I do think that, you know, the Canadians are ready to kind of move on from him. They do need to they they need somebody that is unequivocally a number one defenseman. If you look at all of the teams that do well in the league right now, they have an unequivocal Number one defenseman. We talked yesterday on this podcast about the NHL awards predictions. We we're talking about guys like Roman Yossi. We're talking about guys like Kale McCarr, who's really standing out this year. We're talking about all the guys that are kind of knocking on the doorstep. And then I, for me, I'm always going to tell you that right now for my money, even though Kale McCarr is having a great season steadily for like, you know, for the last like 10 years ish. I'm going to say, like, Victor Hedman is the best defenseman consistently in the NHL. He might not always be the Norris winning defenseman or the one that, sh- that, that has a lot of flash. But you need a guy that good if you're going to be a Stanley Cup-caliber team. And I think the Canadians don't have that. I think they have, they have Gouli, who's going to be a really good defensive defenseman. They've got Matthias Norlander, who's going to be a really good offensive defenseman. But you don't have that full package, and you really need that full
1: package. Yeah, and I think Justin Barron probably gets you close. Like I love Norlander, but I think he's going to be more of that, like you said,
0: power um, play, star,
1: Sandus Oselin type. If you want to go really old, <laughs> um, Mark Strait. How dare you disrespect Mark Strait when you are look looking off is, old? old- I love- Mark Look, my
0: hair is kind of like Mark Streisand right
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> the cover of NHL Switzerland for like 10 years in a row because he's the only <laughs> Swiss player in the league. But I, I think I think Norlander's not, you can't rely on Norlander to shut down other teams. You can't put Norlander out there with a minute and a half left to either get you a goal, well, to get you a goal probably, but not to defend the lead. And I think Justin Barron probably comes close enough. But again, I don't think he's the bona fide number one prospect. Yeah. Um
0: no, and Which, I think that's fair to say. I think he's great. I just, and I think he's got a lot of promise. I just don't think that, you don't have your game break, breaking number one defenseman. That's, no, that's, like if you
1: if you have like Baron Gooley and then like some really good person and Norlander, some combination of that four and then Jordan Harris in there and Romanov. I guess you guys probably, probably go Romano, Romano, Romanov, 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 some sort of other person. Norlander. Norlander and then like Harris Baron, but see, like all of these guys are kind of similar. So that I don't, I feel like if by saying Norlander Baron on like the third pair isn't really fair to them, because right. I think Justin Baron will be taller, better. But I bet you when we do this, if we do this in like two years, Norlander or Baron or Harris, one of them is not going to be on the team.
0: Right? They're oh no, just I, have to I, do I think yeah. Or
1: even or even Romanov. You know what I mean? If they can find it, if they can find a, a good defenseman in this draft or the next one that's going to come in you you can you can make somebody expendable but they they're just missing that especially when you take stock with you've got you'll own it up front now but you've got caulfield you've got suzuki who are young you've got um who's the other top forward prospect that's escaping my name who i don't On know. this
0: team right now the prospect
1: yeah pro- maybe Who's the third best forward prospect for the, or player for the for the Habs? There's Caulfield right Suzuki. <laughs> I, I don't know why it's escaping my name. Like um, Josh
0: Anderson, I don't know. I'm looking. All right, who's like, the, there's Hoffman, there's Gallagher, um, there's Jake no,
1: no young young guy because I don't think these guys are gonna guy. be. On the, on this squad. No, yeah, I, I guess I guess Elonin. Um,
0: I mean, look look at this roster, it's not, it's not, it's not beautiful right now.
1: No, I guess I was thinking of Meshach to be completely honest with you. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: but that's, that's, I, I would say Mishak is, like, at least a year away.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, probably, but... Um, there's Raw, Joshua Raw, yeah. Riley
0: Kidney. Riley Kidney's, like, a couple years away, for sure. But, yeah, no, there's there's definitely prospects. But, like, if you're looking at the team right now, there's not a whole lot of people that are currently on the team that I would, I would see, like, in that rebuild plan.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, Gorton and Hughes have their work kind of for them. because <laughs> so you've got Caulfield and you've got Suzuki. Uh and then you've kinda got Yolon and Yeah. I don't know. Isn't everybody else tradable?
0: Or younger. Or like too young, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Like, and
0: whoever yeah. they get in this draft. I think that the wise thing to do was not make the, make the jump to the NHL right away. I really don't think that that's, you know, we, we talked about it with Tony Ferrari, who was a favorite of both of our shows. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned Kyle Demetrius of On Sharks. You should check out On Sharks. They do a lot of draft coverage. Um, and it's really, 22, really 22 good. hours last year. Yeah, they, no, they really do. And and so this year, they're already on their draft coverage. And we're basically just stealing their guests and asking them for Habs, uh, Habs perspectives on, on, on the prospects. But uh, no, really, Tony Ferrari on our show was talking about how, you know, why is there the pressure always to take your number one overall pick and uh, like make him make the jump to the NHL right away. Usually, if it's a defenseman, they'll keep them uh in 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 a lower league for lack of a better word for longer but uh like you know like if even if the canadians draft first overall and they get Shane Wright it's not necessary that they make him play in the NHL right away
1: not but he's so bored in the OHL (laughs) yeah
0: I I get he's the
1: he's the one that I would move over but like if the Habs somehow fall to three and Wright comes off the board and let's say Logan Cooley comes off the board, and they're choosing between say like Lambert or I, I think Yuri Slovkowski would be awesome on this team because he's also bigger than every other human that's ever played for Montreal. <laughs> um, also,
0: Scott loves him. That's he's gonna Scott's he's gonna
1: pick. well, he's like six four and has the softest hands. He's gonna fulfill the Vincent Lecavalier destiny. Um, but they could take Nemich or check who are defensemen, uh, if they were drafting like three. Say they get the second overall pick, they could trade down to like five and take one of the defensemen and just solve that issue, sort of, or try to solve that issue, I should say. But
0: yeah, if you're not getting the number one pick or Cooley, like
1: I don't even think Cooley's the second best player. I think I think there's other guys that you can do that. But yeah, if you're not getting right, I honestly you could just trade back in this particular draft. Uh, Montreal Montreal's really gotta really get Bedard or Mishkov or Fantilli next year. I think so. Because then you're just strapping a rocket to this team.
0: (laughs) And we're going to talk about the rebuild. We're going to compare it to the Sens rebuild in just one moment. But first... Shady Rays. A bunch of us got our Shady Rays sunglasses, and we're so excited about this because Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They'll send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happens. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses, backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. Our friend Jay in England got a pair and is so happy with them. We encourage you to check them out. And while you're doing that, also check out Built Bar. I just want to read you some of the flavors that they have in the rotation right now because we talk about Built Bar all the time on this podcast. You know that it is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. I use them in the morning because I like to skip breakfast and I'm an idiot. I need energy. So I will have a Built Bar. And right now we talk about their 18 delicious flavors that are always high in protein. Low in sugar and always made with real chocolate. And they have special edition flavors. Just listen to this. Brownie batter puffs, raspberry cheesecake, churro puff, ruby chocolate, caramel almond delight, banana cream pie puff. And they have these mini yellow chirps, which I'm assuming we can't say the name of what they're gonna remind you of, but either way, if you want to try any of these really, really delicious sounding flavors, go to built.com and enter LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That is built.com and enter promo code to get LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. I'm so excited that I'm forgetting the promo code, built.com, LOCKED15, 15% 15 off. There you go. All right, Kyle, let's talk about rebuilds right now. I will take this I will steal this topic from two Tonys. our friend Tony Ferrari our favorite I think right now um he is the third content boy um, on the no, podcast n- No he's not No he's not
1: No there, there there will there will there will be a hard pressed to move Will Sketch out of the top <laughs> top spot
0: Oh that's another person we'd like to have on the show to talk prospects anyway so Tony Ferrari uh put out a poll uh, which team do you think is poised to have the most success in the rebuild? And the choices were Detroit, uh, Montreal, Ottawa, and I believe the other one was Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken. No, anyway. uh, New Jersey. New Jersey, right. And so I was really The winners shocked. of the poll. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that was the thing that shocked me. Um, and the other thing that shocked me was that there was so little faith in the Habs and there was so much in the Ottawa Senators. And then, so today, I believe probably from that, uh, to. Tony Marinero of TSN 690 decided that he was, that was going to be his question of the day was, are the Montreal Canadians or the Ottawa Senators uh, going to be better at the rebuild or more successful in their rebuild and why? And like 40 people answered right away. And they were like, uh, well, Montreal because they don't have the two Pierres in charge. And that was like the sole reason that they believed in the Canadians rebuild more than the Ottawa Senators. Rebuild.
1: Well, I, I kind of have a damning, I kind of have a damning fact against Ottawa. Which is? Montreal starting the rebuild this season, um, and you could even say it's been half a season because they fired Ducharme what forty games in.
0: Yes, forty. Ottawa 20? has been
1: rebuilding for four hundred years. <laughs> you can't you can't compare rebuilds when Ottawa has a seventeen year head start. <laughs> it, this is it's true. like saying is Buffalo going to have be more successful eventually than, like who's going to have a better rebuild Toronto or Edmonton? Well, who knows? Because they. It's They're not the in a line. Rebuild. Like Ottawa's been rebuilding forever. Like Ottawa and Buffalo should have a little rebuilding contest. Yes, they've been they both been rebuilding forever. Like it's Montreal's gonna have a more sexual successful, successful rebuild because they just started and you can already see the building blocks. Right. Ottawa took Tyler Boucher tenth overall last year. The hell are they he doing? it?
0: Kind of a goon.
1: Maybe? Oh, he's a goon. He couldn't hack yeah. it in the N C A A, and he has five points. He's seven points in like fifteen O H L games as an overager he's 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 for points per game scoring he's 30 we did this yesterday 36th I think in the OHL in points per game scoring um he went 10th overall so like okay. Ottawa I'm glad keeps you shooting said it because, because I just think he's a goon <laughs> oh he's a he's not good um Ottawa keeps shooting himself in the foot
0: like they have the opportunity to be better and they've got like they've got some pieces his I 20s. love yeah. I love some of their pieces that they currently have on the team right now they're exciting but Kim Stutzler rules right and and Shabbat as well has ha- like even with this really rough season he's still a really good player like I like I love Shabbat right I would love him on this boot line but I just I feel like you've got people that get in their own way and Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes have proven that they are not those people. Like they held on to players that they could easily have traded until they got what they wanted. Now I have a lot of question marks about what they wanted in the Tyler Toffoli trade. I don't know if the centerpiece of that trade is what I think it is or what, you know, what the goal was there, but like they got, they got three things for Ben Chirot. Like, a guy who, if you had asked me at the beginning of the season, if they trade him in the at the trade deadline, what, what do you think they'd get? I'd say, like, like like a fourth-rounder. One fourth-rounder. Not, like, okay. a first-rounder. A dude, like...
1: Well, Smolanić so was also, I think, a first-rounder, if not a right. second-rounder.
0: Yes, and he's very, very promising. He's currently in the transfer window, by the way. I saw that today, and we'll talk about it when, when we have another NCAA prospect on, but... um Right, like they got a guy, like they got a literal ball. They traded
1: Kulak for real things.
0: Right, exactly. Real things. And and they I, did really I think, well on that.
1: I think, yeah, I think there's something to be said for holding on to your guys when there's no need to trade them. So like, there's no need to trade Jake Allen. He's not going anywhere. I believe he signed for next year, correct? Mm-hmm. Um Jeff Petrie also signed for next year. There's, uh
0: three years after three season.
1: years. Yeah. There's no need to trade Jeff Petrie or Jake Allen or a guy under contract just for the sake of getting something in your thing, especially in a draft this year. If you're going to get draft capital this year, where it's not the best and you could try to load up for coming up and have an actual plan. I think that's the thing with Ottawa is that we don't know what their actual plan is because they keep drafting random dudes. Like they traded, they traded the picks to Toronto that turned into Roni Hervonin and Topi Nimala for Tyler Clevin when they could have just, Stayed with their pick and took Tyler Clevin. <laughs> so they traded two actual guys. Like Topi Nimala won ju- uh, top defenseman at the World Juniors last year. It- Tyler Clevin may be fine, but he's 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 a a big hitting fourth like fourth defenseman on your team. So like I don't really see how. Ottawa finishes anywhere outside a fourth of that pool. I think New Jersey finishes first, kind of in a runaway, because they have Jack mm-hmm. Hughes, who if he can stay healthy, is turning in something. Alex Holtz is going to be a monster. Nico Hishir is still a really underrated two way defenseman. They have some other thing like Sharangov. They're finding things like Um I I personally like the flavor of Detroit's rebuild more uh, with Cider Raymond. This Lark Dylan Larkin's only twenty four, I think twenty three, something like yeah, that. He's a baby. Oh yeah. Um, Iserman has a clear track record Of being very good at this So I kind of like the flavor of Detroit's Rebuild and I think Montreal is closer to New Jersey In that middle but I just don't see How when a team's been rebuilding for so Long that Ottawa can be like yeah our Rebuild is going well when they should be Taking more steps and this is The second or third year in a row where Ottawa The last 15 games of the season has played well But that doesn't mean shit when you play Awful for the first 50 of them
0: right No. So, absolutely. And, yeah I agree and anybody
1: you. can pick and choose the the last 20 games or the 20 games from the two's first tuesday in december to the middle tuesday anybody can do that you you can do it for anything so you well i mean the Hounds right season. now are the
0: hottest team in the league still i think even even with their last couple of losses like like you yeah. know for this for the martin saint louis period they're the hottest team in the in the league but it doesn't
1: it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. The dude they're still last. That them. <laughs> Exactly. Um, And honestly, if Montreal takes a step forward next year and isn't in the Bedard Mitchkov sweepstakes and are in that middle, I think that's still okay because they still have, like, legitimately, Cole Caulfield's going to score 50 goals. Yeah. Arguably next year. He's on pace for 48 right now. If he played a whole season under Martin St. Louis, it's just (laughs) who who on Ottawa can you put up against Cole Caulfield and be like, they wash out?
0: No, not yet, at least. And there's nobody that I'm seeing.
1: Like Norris, maybe, but. I guess, but like Caulfield's probably better than Stutzler at this point. I don't know if I'm ready to
0: call that yet, but
1: Tim Stutzler Stutzler has played like 100 games already. That's a lot. He's not, he's good, but like I love Tim Stutzler, but like, are we saying he's that much better? Tim Stutzler has 71 points in 120 games. He had 29 points in 53, and he's got 42 and 67 this year.
0: That's not a bad, that's not a bad, no, no, I'm not saying it's bad,
1: but I'm saying Cole Caulfield is electric.
0: Yes. Um, oh, yeah, and that's it. And well, Coffee does thirty-four out.
1: points in fifty-four games. Like uh, he's he's eight points behind Tim Stutzel. This is what <laughs> I'm trying to say in less games.
0: Yeah. No. No. I I, I absolutely hear you, and it's working out better overall than we expected right like last year in the playoffs like in the first couple of games that he played and then in the playoffs like it's working out overall much better than we even we expected with Cole Coffee. like we didn't expect him to be so dynamic uh we thought maybe he's a little bit more of a pure goal scorer and he's got playmaking ability he's got defensive ability and again I'm not putting him out there I, I said this on the on, on the Twitter spaces earlier I'm not putting him out there to defend a lead I'm not putting out him out there for a defensive zone start none of that but he does do a back check. You know what I mean? Like he's not completely useless on that front. So he'll try. I do think, yes, he'll try. He'll Sometimes it won't work, but he'll try at least. So I do think that Cole Caulfield worked out a lot better than a lot of people expected. And I think that that's great. And I think it's so exciting. And I think that, you know, but the Canadians still need pieces to build around. You oh. can't just have Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. You need more pieces to build around. And that You
1: need, yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. You need Shane Wright or you need Brad Lambert or you need Yuri Slavkovsky, you need Connor Bedard. You need. Honestly, you could just go out and sign a proper center. Like, if I thought, I thought if like Tomas Hurdle became available, that's somebody you go get. Yeah, um, that was
0: he was on our list until the the, the Sharks signed him.
1: Yeah, like I, th- there's other reasons why I probably wouldn't trade for him, but that's the kind of guy that when he becomes available, you kind of just go, okay, yeah. let me let me go get him. When Austin Matthews is a free agent and leaves Toronto, go try to sign him. Just. <laughs> It's gonna no, be I a would TV. absolutely
0: do that. But that's the thing yeah. is like, cause right, right now Nick Suzuki plays all the minutes. He plays the hard minutes and then he plays the offensive minutes. Like he plays all the minutes and he, you can't do that by yourself. It doesn't matter how talented you are and how two way your game is and how good at playmaking you are and how much chemistry you have with your number one scorer. Like, you can't do it all, and he needs backup. So, if he's going to be the number one, then you're going to have to have a 1A, 1B situation where they're both legitimately, or you're going to have to get a true number one. And Nick Suzuki is going to be your number two, and that's actually going to be in the playoffs. That's going to be the line that's going to be scoring more, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have that right now. So, I like the thing with the Canadians rebuild is that the management team right now is giving me so much confidence, but the yeah. rest of the circumstance, I'm not so sure about that. Like, where do they land in the draft? What are they going to be able to trade for in terms of picks? Like what are they going to look like next year? Because Martin St. Louis is not going to go out there and lose games. Like that's not happening.
1: Yeah. And I think I think I think with what they've done, you have to be confident in the fact that they have an idea of what they're doing going forward. And I think a guy like Jeff Gordon, who's not French, being like, Okay, well, I'm not French, but let me go sign get Ken Hughes. Let's let Ken Hughes get Vinny Le Cavalier. Let's let Vinny Le Cavalier get Martin Saint Louis. Like Martin St. Louis is not a coach, but it's going to work because that's exactly what you need. You don't need to go get Jacques Martin again for the 400th time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Michelle
1: Terry, Michelle Terry, and we've done that street. You don't <laughs> need to be doing that again twice. Yeah. Claude Julian <laughs> for a third time. Like, you don't need to be doing that. You can do Martin St. Louis. You can bring in Vincent Lecavalier as an advisor. You can bring in, like, Ken Hughes was a GM or um, an, an agent. agent. Yeah. What a great idea. If it, if it blows up, it doesn't matter because Montreal was blowing up on their own.
0: Exactly. So, At least this way you're trying something new and seeing if it sticks.
1: Exactly. And I think I think that's what can give you hope. There is whole tons of holes to be filled. I'm not saying Montreal's rebuild is perfect, but as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot like other teams do, then they should be fine. Yeah. Eventually. And that's, eventually. The,
0: that's the last thing I'll say is that like, cause the thing is with Ottawa, is that you know they're a very passionate fan base. Say what you will about not filling the arena. There's lots of reasons for that. I mean, I went to Canada. Like
1: it's, it's in the middle of nowhere.
0: Exactly. And like, I went to, I went literally went to visit a friend in Canada a couple of weeks ago. And then it took me three hours to drive to Montreal. Like, this is not like when I drive to Ottawa in my head, I'm like, okay, an hour and 50 minutes, literally three hours to try drive back to Montreal. Do you know how many people you would get? coming to your games from Montreal if you were just a little bit less in the middle of nowhere. And then, like, every time you go there, you get stuck in traffic because there's one way in and one way out. Like, those kinds of logistics. And and then, you know, obviously, uh, right now the ownership is in flux because their, their owner just passed away and we're not going to dwell on that part. Um, but, you know, like the fans had a complicated relationship with him because they felt like he wasn't willing to spend the money to make the team good. Right. But that doesn't mean the fan base isn't passionate. That doesn't mean that the fan base doesn't care. And it does not mean that Ottawa is hopeless, like in the NHL, like you said, before we started recording, like the NHL needs to be in Ottawa. It's a great time.
1: Oh, it's a, it's an awesome You need to keep them in, in there. It's not an Arizona. Arizona is literally going to play in a 3,500 seat arena. Like It's a completely different situation. Ottawa is awesome, and anybody who is from like hockey, or especially somebody like me who's from Ontario, um, and grew up in the early 2000s, the Battle of Ontario ruled it absolutely was unequivocally awesome. There, Ottawa was good, Toronto was good, Toronto always beat them, but like Ottawa was very good when Daniel Alfredson fake threw the stick into the crowd or through the stick and then Matt Sundin faked through it afterwards. Like, that was awesome. They've had good players. It was... Ottawa was really fun and I think with Ottawa being good, you get a natural rivalry with Toronto in Ontario. You get a natural rivalry with Montreal. There, you just get another good Canadian team. There's no need to change... to take Ottawa out of Ottawa. It would be yeah. silly and dumb. And Ottawa also has like a million people in it. Yeah. So it's,
0: oh, it's a big city. It's,
1: it's, 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 it's a large city. So... Moving them to Quebec would just be foolish when there's other teams that could move to Quebec. And I don't think really playing games in Quebec City with Ottawa would be that smart either. What what Quebec Nordiques fan is going to be like, yeah, I want to go watch the Senators.
0: Right. So this is all about a report that came out that right now the Ottawa side is kind of denying, but it seems like there's definitely been, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, like that the Ottawa Senators were going to play five games at the Videotron Center or the Arena Videotron, whatever it's called, in Quebec City to kind
1: of the gauge interest
0: Yes. <laughs> Do they
1: still have the dolphin logo?
0: <laughs> no. Um, there's something else now. Um, but yeah, like they, they basically provide everybody's internet in Quebec. So uh, other than the bell. So anyway, um, like the whole idea was to gauge interest in in, in Quebec City for this team, but I don't think Ottawa should be, I think it's fun to have the idea of regular season games in Quebec City to gauge the market, but I don't think Ottawa should be the team to eventually move to Quebec. I think exactly what you said, like that, that Battle of Ontario was amazing. It was sick, right? Same thing with Quebec and Montreal, like that rivalry was insane, but right now there's not a lot of corporate support in Quebec City. It wouldn't make sense to move Ottawa from where it is right now and move it to Quebec City. I do think that Quebec has a lot to in terms of corporate sponsorship support like that kind of stuff like if it's legal if if it's financially viable for the league they should move another struggling team there i don't think that ottawa is the one the team to move
1: no they they, it's it would be silly to move it from ottawa ottawa is a good franchise when it comes down to it i like a good franchise in so far as like geographical fans it's the only ticket in town
0: yeah
1: literally the only one i guess the rough riders and the 67s Uh, yeah, so the sixty sevens, but like the sixty sevens building is what like eight thousand people, six thousand people.
0: Yeah, probably um, it's the Red Blacks. They're not the Rough Red Blacks. The day, <laughs> yes, the Red they Blacks. used to be the yeah. Rough Riders back in the day, the Red Blacks.
1: But like that's what I mean. There's no other like high level. There's no MLS team. There's no NBA team. There's no baseball. It's the team. Ottawa takes up all of the the air airspace in in uh, or the Senators take up all the airspace in Ottawa. So. It's a great spot to have a team and and ownership, however you felt about them, definitely hindered a lot of things. And I mean, we don't have to, (laughs) they didn't want to spend, we could see them getting to the floor and that's it. So like, we know what they were doing. So I think they should stay. They should stay. It's way better league with Ottawa in it. Um, It just sucks that their circumstances led them to this place, but um, also their rebuild should go slower than Montreal's. Yes. (laughs) And Toronto Toronto blew a 5-1 lead to Florida As we recorded this They lost lost 7-6 in overtime
0: (laughs) That's amazing Uh, All right, Kyle I want to thank you so much I did hold you back You are going to have to run to the bar That you're going to watch the the Sharks game at Um, Tell everybody where they can find you Your wonderful co-host, your work
1: Um, www.onlyfans.com Backslash (laughs) locked on Sharks Um, You can find us there (laughs) Or uh, at Kyle Demetrius is me. Uh, at Locked on Sharks is Locked on Sharks. If you want to uh, if you want to check out some Sharks stuff, we are doing a lot of draft profiles, like Laura said. We try to cover the whole first round. I think last year we got up to like 18 people. And then we did a deep dive on the back half. The back half, so um, kind of evergreen uh, draft content. We do talk how they would fit in with William Eklund and the Sharks. But up top, we always bring on a scout. So we had um
0: Scouting. we've had scouch on to
1: talk uh, he's talking gleb Trikasov next week which will be really fun uh we've talked to tony ferrari about frank nazar we talked to sam mcgilligan uh joel henderson josh tesler we have claire mcmanus coming up we have dylan krill coming up um brandon holmes will have we'll have him back on so tons and tons of people and different perspectives across most of the guys in the first round and for montreal um, we've already done matt savoy We've done Frank Nazar. uh, We've done some other guys in the top. Brad Lambert. We've done some other single guys. uh, And we'll have Wright, Slavkovsky, Cooley um, coming down the pipe uh, here soon.
0: I definitely recommend your draft content. You guys have really done a great job, and I'm, I'm shamelessly going to tell you that, like, we copy. You know, we take we take the guests that you have on, and we have them on. We direct people to, to the profiles that you do on their show. You guys really do good work, so check out Locked On Sharks wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out wherever you get your podcast just look for locked on canadians subscribe to our youtube channel or our podcast you can find me on twitter at the active stick you'll find scott at scott matla the twitter is lo underscore canadians and also check out email us at on canadians at gmail.com check out On fantasy hockey right now as the season heads to the end